and to encourage one another, to exhort one another to love and good works. And that's what the word does when we bring the word. And I'm excited about a new series I'm going to start tonight. I believe it's very important what we're about to do. We're in the end days. I think we're in the end days. I think we're really in the end of the end days. And so, but you, you know, you just take your place wherever you think you are. But we need to know something. Believers need to know something because the world is asking. They don't understand. They are distraught. They are, they are out of place because they've always just controlled things or been in an environment where they were comfortable, even if it was not a good environment. But in these end days, things are going to not be predictable and not be uncourse. So I want to start a series for you and I, for anybody, but you and I as believers. And I'm going to, I'm going to call it this. Reasons anyone can believe. And the side deal of that is why we know the Bible is truth. Reasons anyone can believe. And what we're going to do is we're, uh, we're going to uh, turn in your Bible to John chapter 8. We'll go there first and we'll break into this. I'm going to introduce it tonight. And we're going to have a few weeks if, if it goes as I think where we strengthen ourselves to such a place that the things that we want to do and the things that we're called to do will be a second nature. You know what second nature is. It's all the things we do without thinking. It's all the things we just do as a matter of habit or uh, understanding. We, it's, it's in and it comes out. John chapter 8, verse 32, the Lord Jesus himself said, uh, verse 31, he says, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So disciples are more than just following somebody. They are following the word. And Jesus, of course, is the word. But in verse 32, and he, he, he turned it, the action and to the reaction. If you, if you continue in my word, what is the reaction? Ye shall know the truth. If you continue in my word, ye shall know the truth. And the truth, action and reaction that you know, the truth shall make you free. Literally, the word there in context means as I am, as free as Jesus is. My word will make you as free as I am. Well, we don't even have a capacity in our head to, to understand that. That's totally a faith concept to be as free as the Lord Jesus because we've never had a day that we weren't somehow bound in our thoughts or condemnation or something that we didn't feel something different than free. Um, I looked up the word no because, you know, that's kind of what I do is find out the, what, what it means because, you know, in the King James or any of them, they just have one word to say the whole thing. But uh, the word means absolutely no. So it's more than being acquainted or having heard. It means to be resolved, come to a determination. It means to understand, understand. Ye shall know, ye shall understand the truth. Ye shall be resolved to, uh, to know the, to, to the truth. Uh, you, shall, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, there wasn't much in the a commentary that I looked in, but it, it did say this, that the word free means exempt from liability. I love exemptions. You know, it's the free pass. It's, it's when, when there's favor given to you, like this rule goes for everybody, 
but you, it doesn't count to you, you come out because in this case, free means free from liability where we owe. And that's what we all wrangle with is owing something, owing something to the Lord or to ourselves. So uh, you shall know the truth. Or you could say the truth you know will set you free. Only the truth you know will set you free. You know, this, this, is, this is full of truth, but that doesn't make you free until you know it, until you put it in. It's black ink on white paper, and, uh, you know, we could do anything with this book. It's, it's sacred when it's imparted, but it's just a book otherwise. It's sacred to us, but anyone else could say it was not. So uh, it's not what you've heard that'll set you free. Listen to me. It's not what we've heard. And you and I have heard a lot. We've heard about speaking in tongues, about God raising the dead, about healing the sick. We've heard uh, about God supplying all of our needs. We've heard that. We've heard that. We've heard that. We have heard so much. Matter of fact, if, if you were just adept, you would say at least here at River Church, you hear something for two hours a week or so longer. But of course, and then then that's not counting what we uh, so that's what we hear. But what you've heard is not what will deliver you. It's what you know, know in your knower, in your knower. It's the only thing that'll last is what is absolutely mature and developed and solid. It's a conviction. It's a resolve. It's a understanding that says I've crossed the line and I cannot go back. Y'all don't remember the old drive-in movies, I don't guess. But, but uh, once you went in a drive-in movie, you, your car went over a, a little a bump there. And uh, the blades on that bump were all going the way the car was going. But if you tried to come back, they would be meeting your tires like this. So it was a one way is what I'm saying. And uh, so you, it's, it's when you get where you got it only one way. That's what will set you free. When you know I'm fixing to lay hands on you and you are going to recover. When you know that, that's when it happens. It happens regularly. It doesn't mean it won't happen, but that's when you have results. When you know that when you sow a seed, there's plenty more where that came from. There, it takes time because we have to work things out, don't we? We have to work. I, I was raised, I wasn't raised poor, but I was definitely raised in poverty. The mindset of my family and, and all was that there's, there's not enough to go around and you better get all you can, can all you get and sit on this can. And that sort of thing. Well, so you could say, did you have plenty? Sure, we had plenty, but I didn't even know that we were in poverty until I left poverty. And when I, this, when I got this is when I found out that I was raised in poverty, the spirit of poverty. Uh, doesn't mean didn't have enough, didn't mean I was hurting or, or under the bridge or anything, but it was so inadequate to what the Lord Jesus had called me to have as a born-again believer. I realized I got to get set free from that. And I've been, I've been years, I'm 67. I've been a lot of years working stuff out and just, and just kind of going ballistic when I find something that just comes out of me or if somebody that affects me says something, we can't afford that. I, I just lose it. I just like, 
We may not buy it. We probably won't buy it, but it won't be that. And that word won't be a label on my life. So you get sensitized to things when you get to know it, knowing truth. Now, we're way past knowing that Jesus is Lord and we're going to heaven. We're way past that, even though none of you went and came back and said, yeah, it's real. It's, it's over there. I saw it all. <laughs> Nobody has that testimonies. We have some that have come back in the world. But, you know, who knows? Who knows is what people say. So we got to know some stuff. So I'm going to spend a little time and we're going to nail down one thing. Here's what we're going to nail down. The Bible is true. We're going to nail it. And you go, well, I believe the Bible's true. You, you have heard the Bible is true a hundred ways, but you're going to know it when I get through. Unless you fall asleep, and even then, we're going to send you the tape. Hallelujah. <laughs> so before we start this, we have to have a basis of belief. You, you have to start with something. And here's our basis of a belief, is that, first of all, you must assume that there is a God who created you and wants your best interest. You won't believe the Bible is true if you believe that you morphed out of swamp gas or if you believe God sends trouble to keep you straight, that he's, he gets cranky sometimes. Like one preacher said one time, God gets into a killing mood. Well, God doesn't get into a killing mood. Amen. I mean, we all believe stuff like that back in the day because that's what, that's what we thought. But... Uh, Number two, you got to believe that a good God would communicate his presence to you. In other words, he's not just a secret God. He's going to let you know, I'm here. I created you. I want my best interest for you. And that he's uh, got a presence. He's got a design. And he's got rewards. That's the God we have. Before we go to the Bible, it's true. Absolutely. You got to believe that he created you. He has your best interest. That he has a design for your life and that he will see you through that design. If you fall off the path, if you go the other way, if you quit, sit down, jump up, if you don't like it and you say naughty words, it won't matter, he will see you through. You gotta believe that. This is our basis of belief. Uh, how the Bible came into being, you know, there's a lot of history on that, but God was the reason it went in like it did. He decided, and we would have too, that oral, an oral, gospel or an oral word from him is not reliable. You've ever been in that game where you say something, to, you whisper something to your neighbor and they whisper it to theirs and it goes around the circle and you come back and, and you go, the, the, the sky is red before you get through. The, the barn is green. You, it's, it's never the same. Uh, oral, an oral uh, uh, word loses its integrity. You can't for sure nail it down. It's like, well, I think that's what they said, or, you know, they didn't tell me when it wouldn't work or whatever. It, it just has lots of holes in it. So, but, uh, but a written word is, uh, it's reliable, it's durable, it's universal. You can, you can translate it into any language, whereas sometimes if it's just oral, it's got a lot of culture and a lot of, uh, of uh, that's what we always say, little colloquialisms, and there's plenty of those in there. Um, you know that traditions, even the King Jimmy, the King Jimmy translation, there are things in here that they could not, because of their tradition and their culture, they could not say. Uh, they, they had a hard time. In Psalm 8, the word talks about, uh, he hath made man a little lower than 
Elohim is the word in the Hebrew, but they translated it angelos, which is a little lower than angels. They just couldn't bear it. It was just too much for them theologically. And so they kind of, nobody was looking and just fudged over that. But we, we know what the original word says, and it's that way. So uh, in Second uh, Timothy 2, now you don't have to turn there. I will read it to you, but we're going to look at just a few scriptures, but we're going to do a lot of talking, and you're going to do a lot of listening and a lot of nodding, saying, yes, I believe that. I've got, I know that. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Here it is, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's what we need to do. The, the Bible has never changed. And Christians get born again, so why can't we come to a consensus and agreement on this? It's because people do not rightly divide the word of truth. And our challenge, our faith, is to rightly divide it, to put it in context, to put it in uh, uh, the, the authorship. Who's God speaking to? Is he speaking to the world, to the Jew, or to the church? It makes a big difference when he talks about going to hell and, and things like that. So we rightly divide the word of truth. And that's where we come to what we believe. And you, you have to believe something. You cannot just mishmash. The devil will challenge you. And these are the days beginning, they have been, but we see an overt um, demonstration of the devil challenging the church. And he's challenging our American Constitution. Yes. We talked about that a little bit the other day, but he's, a, he's challenging us to see if we will bend, bow, or break and then he'll know what to come back with. He'll, he'll test it, and then he'll craft a weapon to follow up with it. And so we, but on the other hand, we've seen him come. We've seen what this looked like. We see what he's capable of. We've seen what people are capable of. And that even though they're Christian, they, they might be running for the hills, scared witless, so to speak, uh, only believing they have fire insurance. You know, when you, when you listen to Christians right now, some of them, you would say, do you believe you're going to heaven? That's all you must believe because there's no testimony of your God protecting, God supplying, God uh, having a plan. Nothing like that is evident. And we've got to, here's what we got to do. We got to get to the place where we don't flinch, where we cannot, we will not back up from a debate where somebody's life is in the balance. We will not back up and we know it. And when, and when they throw something, and different religions that argue about Christian tenets, like the Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons or uh, some others, they'll, they'll get you because they know where Christians are weak, and they'll throw that in there, and, and not only do you not have an answer, it makes you have doubts about, well, what do I believe? I've often said that people, if you just said, write down the, the reasons that the Trinity is true, it's a blank page. That we all know about it, we've heard, and we all have seen Scripture, but nobody, hardly anybody knows. Well, here's what Jesus said, and here's what the Word says about the Trinity. For example, this is amazing, but I read this, so I'm assuming it's true. I did not count it, but the, the author that I uh, uh, was reading the other day said that the Bible claims its own divine inspiration over 3,000 times. I want you to turn to one of them in Psalm 119, please. Psalm 119. The Bible itself claims 
divine inspiration. So the very first thing that we have to believe to believe the word is true is that it didn't come from a bunch of men riding donkeys here and there that this came from God. We, we got to get that settled first of all, don't we? That it is that this came from God. Psalm 119 verse 160. You know, there's a lot of verses in Psalm 119. <laughs> Hallelujah. 160. Let's read it together. Ready, read. Thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Thy word is true from the beginning. You, and and I'll, I'll give you this, that a lot of Christians will say most of it is true. They, they go along with, uh, by, faith are you, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. They get along with that. Things that put them in heaven, they are real good to get along with that. But I've debated, actually I argued back in the day, with all sorts of people that did not believe it was true or believed it was superseded. You can make the Bible say anything. You can make it say anything. You will have to take it out of context. You will have to change the, uh, the, uh, the audience of who the speaker was speaking to. You will have to devise and scheme and uh, plot, but you can make it say anything. And so we have to rightly divide it. He says here, the word is true from the beginning. Psalm 138, you're real close there. Psalm 138. It says in verse 2, Y'all are going to like this series. I can tell you, it's, kind of like, it's going to be kind of like going to school. But what, where we're going at River Church is going to demand us to have a, an edge. Amen. Verse 2 says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Here it is. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So God said it. He said, my word's important. If I, tr truthfully, based on this scripture, if God's word fails, he has failed. He and his word are inextricably bound. We even say that if a man's word's no good, the man's no good. Well, you could say that if, if God's word is no good, God's no good. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to say that. But that is the test that he's willing us to put, willing for us to put before him, that if your word's not true, Lord, if it ever falters, if it ever hesitates, it, if it ever deviates, then you're not who you say you are, because if you say nothing of yourself except I and my word are one, then it has to be true every time in every situation. Second uh, Timothy chapter three. Let's go to the New Testament. And look where the Bible claims to have divine inspiration. Like I said, you won't have problems. You won't have much to uh, mess with people on uh, regular scriptures about salvation. Although some will say if you're not baptized the day that you get born again, you, 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 you can't go anywhere. Uh, there are all sorts of little deviations there. But generally speaking, you know, what we say to that is, okay, get baptized. You know, don't argue with people. Just get baptized. It, it doesn't matter. Second Timothy chapter uh, three. That's where I am. And let's look in verse 16. 
All scripture. Would you say that with me? All scripture. Now that's from Genesis to maps, isn't it? That's all scripture. All scripture is given. Wow, we're going to have a nugget here. By inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now we, we have to buy into that. First of all, God said his word is true. And then he said, I breathed every bit of it. And it's profitable. The word is scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Now that's where, what the word says about the Bible. One more. Let's you slip over to Second Peter. You're right there. Right there means that you've got your Bible open. <laughs> Second Peter chapter one. Let's look in verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, isn't that a dandy? That, that'll, that'll fix a lot of troubles. Amen. So you got to believe that. And of course you do. You do. You, we've heard it, and, and you've even heard it this evening. But you gotta, you got to buy into it. Because it's not enough to say, well, I believe it. Let's take you to a scripture that may be a hard saying for you with your background, your traditions, your uh, former beliefs. And say, is this one true? And if you see people fishtailing, start wallowing around saying, well, it means this and it, it doesn't really mean that. Well, then, then you know they don't know the truth. We have to just be easily persuaded to believe. God, if you said it, it's you and it's the best thing that could happen to me. It's the best thing that could happen to me. Me and your word, that's the best thing that could happen to me. There are no options that even come close to that. So what is the challenge of the Bible besides God writing it and getting it to men, you and I, from Genesis to this day, which is thousands of years later, that would be challenging to preserve it. No generation lived more than a hundred or so years except the very first two or four. So he's got to be able to hand it off. One thing we know in Genesis is that Abraham... Uh, the Lord choose, chose Abraham in verse in chapter, I believe it's chapter 19. It's somewhere in there. And he said uh, that he chose Abraham because he knew he would command his children after him. And so that's what the Lord's had to find is people that would believe their father and then teach their children who then would teach their children and teach their children and on and on and on. And that's why there's memorials and feasts in the Old Testament is because uh, uh, a lot of them couldn't read, but he would he would bring an oral presentation of the written. And he'll say they say, Father, what what's this for? What's this feast for? Well, this is when God delivered us out of the out of the hand of this and that. And we're celebrating that because of that. Oh, and so next year, we're going to celebrate that. And, that, and then, then that man and woman would tell their children, well, this is what we did. We're celebrating when God 
whooped our enemies, so to speak. And all the feasts and all the, uh, uh, the uh, monuments are based on that. Uh, so the challenge of the Bible, besides just getting here, which is amazing, and you know the challenge of even that is the Apocrypha. There are a lot of books that <clears throat> people have put forth to be genuine or, or divinely inspired, but they're not true. They have, they're flawed. They have the hand of man in them. Some of them have Jesus doing miracles when he was a child. Well, we know that can't be because he did no miracle before he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. So it's contrary. It's sideways. And there's just, just lots of them that are that way. And they, they didn't get put into the canon. So you can see it's more than just writing the Bible to be inspired, but you had to be inspired as a king or a, 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 an authority like King James to know what to put in. Because junk would have messed it up. It wouldn't have been, it would have messed up the whole word if we'd had a book in there that says he did miracles. When, when it says that Canaan, that was his first miracle. But there's books that say different than that, and they are uh, uh, discredited. So the challenge of the Bible is to represent that God and truth are one and the same. That is what the Bible's trying to tell us, is that, that if it says it in here, it's not just, well, this is a good book. We ought to get this on the book club, and we ought to all read a chapter. It is God speaking to me. The Bible is God speaking to me. And so if we can have a message, if I can bring a message here among these people and, and say English words that have a direct meaning, and yet you and I sitting there hearing that would hear God's intonation and instruction and warning and direction, and the person next to you get a completely different shade or facet of that, isn't that amazing, Holy Spirit? The second thing that the challenge of the Bible is, is that the record, the Bible is the record of God's word. You go, well, everybody knows that. <laughs> There's more than a few people that challenge that. I read this week, uh, I was on uh, Amazon or, yeah, I was on Amazon looking for something. And it talked about the Book of Mormon, which it said was a, uh, another testimony of Jesus Christ. And then down there it said a compliment or a compliment. It said something to the Bible. It was an addition to the Bible. Well, so they don't believe this is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us God. And it's subtle. It is so subtle. The way they said it and the way they proclaim it is like, so you go, well, sure. My grandmother was a curious woman and she wore, she had a book of Mormon and she would read it just for historical reference. But I wouldn't touch one. I just, I, I wouldn't want it around me because it's not truth. And let's just read some Batman and Superman if we want to just get into fantasy and, and adventure stories. Amen. Uh, we have to, the challenge of the Bible is to present Jesus. And Jesus is the, is, is the carrier of abundant life. He is the sole carrier of abundant life. Now, people say, and you know this is true, that people say, well, the reason Jesus came was to forgive men of all his sins. Well, that is the end of it, but that's not why he came. He said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the overflow. Well, okay, so he didn't come to forgive sins. Well, to give you abundant life, he had to forgive your sins. The same way that Jesus on the cross, uh, he died for our sins, but actually 
uh, he, he bled for our sins. And he, if he'd been strangled or hit with a rock or, or whatever, it wouldn't have done the thing. It was the blood. But crucifixion was necessary to bring the blood into our lives. So you, sometimes we miss the avenue or the vehicle for the purpose or the reason. And the last thing is that, hallelujah, the challenge of the Bible is to reveal the great mystery. The great mystery is Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's the only thing we have beyond the, the tenets of the blood and the virgin birth and that. It's the only tenet we have where our God is not far away and that we go to appease him or our conduct is in line with what he expects and he will tell us and show us if we're out of line. But that our God is inside of us, that we've been born again and he has come in. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So that's the challenge of the Bible. And do y'all know some people mess it up? Do y'all know they read the same verses we do and go, ah, you're, you're not born. You can't know you're born again. How many people believe? I can tell you, I can name the denominations that teach. You can't know you're born again until you hit them pearly gates and you go to the yes column or the no column. And I mean, and they teach it and the people believe it and it makes them walk real straight. And I tell you, these denominations, the people in them, are the meanest people you were ever around because they are, they are under the law. Oh, they are under the law. And if you, if you're, yeah, well, anyway, praise God. Now, the con to this, if you were going to say a critic would say, what would a critic say of the Bible in the things I've just said? Well, the one thing they would say is that the Bible is full of mistakes and you will talk to Christians, Bible toting, church going, Bringing in the sheaves, Christians that have been saved and baptized that will say the Bible is full of mistakes. But you can't believe it because it's not true. They'll say, another thing they'll say, it's that a, it's a guideline of days gone by that's no longer relevant to a modern culture. It is a book of wisdom, but our day requires more than this book. But it's good for the old folks and it's good for the old timers. But it's not true. The truth is, is that the writers, if we have just read, claim that the Bible was transmitted to them and they wrote it down. That they didn't get it by another path. That it was transmitted to them. And they say, the writers say, that it's infallible, it's authoritative, and it's exact. So we have to align ourselves. That's what we're doing. Not just going to uh, uh, hear something. We're going to believe that there are no mistakes in the Bible. Now, there are some controversies and there's some uh, some things that came up that need studying out. Now, as you know, there's 40 people that wrote the the Bible over 2000 years. And there's 66 books. Of course, there's some people like Paul and uh, Luke that wrote more than one book. Moses wrote the first five, the Pentateuch. And, uh, and, and David wrote uh, some things. But that's amazing. Now, that's just amazing. You can have that much span of time. Nothing else is held up to that, I'll just say. Nothing else has lasted 2,000 where people say that as it was is how it is. But that's the way it is with the word of God. Uh, it is totally consistent. And we're going to go over those, con those seemingly mistakes that discount or discredit the word to many people. They just don't know enough. You just cannot 
You cannot teach a two-year-old how to go to the library and check out a book and just say, go on, come back with a book. They just don't have enough understanding. And uh, we have enough understanding to understand the word, but sometimes when we get to things that we haven't been taught or more than that, have been taught against. I was taught that tongues were of the devil. Well, it's, it's, there's going to be a contradiction there. If you believe when you read about, I pray, I, I pray with tongues more than y'all by Paul, you're going to have a problem reading that and then coming over here and listening to something else he says and says, well, that's wrong, but this is right. Or are they both wrong? We have to settle it. We have to settle what idiots, religious people say are contradictions. Because now as we're going to go through this in the weeks, we're going to find out that there is no contradiction that has never been settled concerning history, concerning science, concerning prophecy, concerning wisdom, and on and on and on. It is spot on every time in every book. It is consistent, which is amazing. Yes. It's just amazing. It is. Uh, one thing that's amazing about it is that uh, there's things that were documented hundreds of years, even a thousand years before science discovered it. When Christopher Columbus uh, uh, took off in, in, in the crystal blue in 1492, they all knew he was going to fall off the edge of a flat earth. But he had read the scriptures, and there's three of them, that talk about the earth. And, and uh, way before, man knew it. And yet it was in the word all along. Uh, one thing that we'll note is that every single author, Peter and James and John, all of them, never knew that their letter or their uh, uh, composition was be, would be put in a book. So they wrote it to an audience, like Paul wrote to the church at Galatia and Ephesus and, and Philippi. He didn't ever dream it would be in a book. He intended for it to be passed around the churches. And so not taking that care, they, none of them said, you know, I, I got to confer with Peter and make sure this gets along. They just wrote it and the Lord validated it. Yay. Amen. Um, we're going to look at uh, people that study the Bible. I, I never have, but I do know this is true, that there are structural, even though it's 2000 years and, uh, and uh, 66 books and how many authors? 40, 40 authors. Even though that there is a rhythm and a syntax throughout the whole Bible that pulls it all together, there are um, mathematical patterns, especially in the Old Testament, that are woven into it that have another meaning or can have another explanation about the Hebrew itself, because Hebrew is Hebrew letters are also numbers and it all plays out. And there's there's all sorts of prophetic things that have already come to pass. So it's not even like somebody whooped up some words. This thing had to be laid out in the mind of God for it to be so exacting, so precise. And it was written with a symmetry that's just uncanny. Um, one thing I remember uh, looking at was that, and I read the testimonies. I went online yesterday for a long time, and I read the testimonies of people that, uh, that claimed back in the earlier days that the Hittites 
There was no evidence for the Hittites, but the Bible says that they were a major entity, but there was no evidence. And so I read some professors that said, this is bunk, the Bible's discredited, there were no Hittites. Well, 10 years later, archeologically, they dug up the empire of the Hittites, was, which was greater at one time or equal to Egypt and uh, the Persians or something. I may have got that wrong, but it was a major force. And yet archeology span proved the Bible to be true when there was no evidence up to that point. And so, uh, have you ever heard someone talk about every book, go through there and say, uh, uh, Ruth was the kinsman redeemer and Judges was the, I didn't do that, but, but every book has a theme and it fits together. And uh, we're going to look at the first 10 men in the Bible, what their names mean, and how it actually spells out redemption. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. And we're just going to hit the top of it. We're not going to go real deep. Uh, the Bible is the word and the will of God. Let's say it together. The Bible is the word and will of God. And uh, the intent of it in our day, now that Jesus is here, is that he wants us to rule on earth as he does in heaven. Now, when you get that in focus and you're just not wandering around saying, well, it says don't steal and, and, and don't gossip and get the root. Those things are not what the Bible's about. Those are incidental in conduct. But the intent of it was for us to read it and to assimilate it and for us to rule and reign on earth as God does in heaven. Uh, I like this verse. I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, boy, I thought I'd get further tonight. Yay. Uh, let's see where we can go for this. Let me just read to you Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I know you like this. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Right here we find out, it says quick in the King James, that this is not just black ink on white paper. Even though it is, it'll burn in a fire. It's not indestructible by any means. If you've had any Bibles over the years that you put in the back, back glass of your car or that your dog got a hold of, you knew that your Bible was not indestructible. But the word is, the word is alive. And it says, the word of, uh, the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, mind, will, and emotions, spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in creation is hidden from it, the word of God. Be sure and know your sins will find you out. Well, the word, the word will find you out no matter what. Um, Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? By getting into the word of God. Oh, I just messed this up. I just went so slow. That's, that's what I, I'm leaving on the table. <laughs> oh. Well, I, let me just go, do this and we'll quit with this. We'll, we'll do that other uh, next time. Reasons that anyone can believe why we know the Bible is true. We're going to talk about 10 different categories, and I believe you'll be interested in this. First of all, we're going to talk about prophetic accuracy, that what God said would come to pass 
has come to pass. Most of it has uh, already come to pass. But three areas, the historical, the messianic, and then what Jesus said. The veracity of the Bible is in prophetic. Uh, like I told you just now, there's a historical affirmation by secular historians. They gripe at the Bible, they poo-poo the Bible, and then they find out the big city that was over there, that was the Hittites whom they just wrote about saying they didn't exist. There's an archaeological affirmation that's ongoing where people are finding that the Bible is true. Many times the Bible tells them where it's at and they go and look there. Number four, scientific accu accuracy, uh, both in prediction and in accuracy. The Bible tell, tells about science things that have not yet been discovered. Now, they're not, it's not E equals MC squared. It's not that kind of thing in the Bible. It's very subtle. Uh, the thing about the earth being round, one of it was is it talks about the globe in the heavens or something like that. The sphere in the heaven, the globe, whatever it is. But it's a reference in the context to it being in heaven. Number five, biblical numerics. Have y'all ever studied biblical numerics? Wow. These things. We were just talking about them a little bit. Um, then we have wisdom. Wisdom for relationships. Wisdom for business. Wisdom from government. Our government, our, our families, our uh, our relationships are based on the, what's called the Judeo-Christian principle. And it comes out of the word and it is infallible. Now, for instance, the Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. And I'm telling you, when I was in Christian school, the principle, we could bring someone in there that had just, you know, cheated or said a naughty word or whatever they did. And we'd get them to repent. Roy, is, is this what you did? Uh-huh. Is this wrong? Uh-huh. Well, the Bible says don't do that. Uh-huh. It says, what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to drive foolishness out. And so we would stand him there and give him two licks with a paddle, two firm, just firm licks. You're not trying to make pain. It's not punishment. It is discipline. And you could see, and, and we told them, now when we put this paddle to the bottom, what's going to jump out of your heart? Silliness, foolishness. And I'm telling you, we used it on Eric Scott. Eric Scott was always perfect. He, I mean, not really, but he was so under the radar. But we would watch him and catch him in something because we were watching for him. He was behind Colin. You know, in Colin's wake, he could do no wrong. And... Uh, and so, but he'd get horsey and he'd get a little evasive and stuff. And so we'd just bring him in there and, and go through the thing like we did Roy and put the lick to him, two licks, and the kid was gold for eight to 10 weeks. I'm talking about obedient, wanting to please, the whole thing. So this is what I'm talking about. The Bible tells us about wisdom for relationships, for parenting, for government, for our money. Uh, number seven, testimonies of people returning from death experiences and agreeing with other people that said they also died and it corroborating uh, without corroboration it agrees so we have uh, death experiences 
Number nine, the testimony. I love this one. We're going to talk about this uh, later. Uh, the testimony of nature's complexity and innovation that demands creative design. It demands a creator and a maintainer that evolution cannot touch. And it's just, it's in the word. And uh, uh, number 10, we were talking, I wrote this one down after we got to church because uh, Pamela was talking about uh, miracles and documented miracles. Documented miracles prove the Bible is true. They didn't pass away as they told me. They weren't for the last apostle who died and the last miracle went with him. They're today, they're all over and they're amazing. And so we have a, uh, we have a record to study. We don't have to have blind faith. We've got a record to believe and it's not hard. I, I title this reasons anyone can believe. So we're gonna put every atheist, we're gonna put every agnostic to challenge with these things. They're not gonna be, well, God said, and that's the way it is. It's gonna be natural phenomenon, natural uh, uh, structure that we're gonna point to and say it couldn't have been anything but what God said. And so it's true. Now this will enable us, when we get through this, we'll, we should have a deep foundation in us that says, I can do anything the word says I can do because I am who the word says I am and I can do what the word says I can do because it's true. It's true about me. It's true about what I can do. Therefore, and you turn the corner. Most people are stopped in their Christian life of doing things powerfully because of self-disqualification. They just, they know God. That you, they'll re, they can quote you healing scriptures, but somehow something they've done makes them feel disqualified and they will not receive. They have to do a penance, as it were. Now, they would never tell you that's it, but that's what's going on. We're going to fix that for this church. And we're going to, we're going to launch anybody here looking for a revival in your own heart and across the land. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in this evening. We're going to receive our midweek tithes and offerings.